On this episode of Resi Week, we talk WWDC, the labor shortage, and the dead middle market. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 332, The Tri-State Twins. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv, and this week I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. We've got the New York Twins, uh, Mr. Todd Puma. He's the president of the Source Home Theater. How you doing, Todd? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? Technically New Jersey, but you know. Yeah, I don't fall into his category. We'll, we'll call you the the tri-state. The tri, tri You need another tri-state one. Twins? You need a guy. You need somebody for a mask. We need a Connecticut guy. Yeah, somebody from Connecticut. And then we'll have the, uh, the tri-state are you going to have guys. to help us find somebody? Because that, that seems like you have all the connections. I don't I don't know if I know anybody in Connecticut. Like, I know people, but I don't know people in the industry. All right. Uh, that person you heard right there, that's Mark Feinberg. He's the president of Home Theater Advisors. How you doing, Mark? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on, man. Been a long time. Good to see you. This is going to be a show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what. This is going to be a show. All right. We are going to kick this off uh, minorly with an Infocom wrap-up. Uh, there was very little to see there. Uh, honestly, in general, I was not there, but I followed it pretty heavily on social. Uh, it looked like the parties were fun. It looked like seeing people was fantastic. It looked like coming out and hopefully not catching COVID. Uh, you might be the lottery winner because, gosh, as of last night, it was like tick, 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 as people were catching it. Um, also, why are you taking tests? My gosh. Um, if you're not really feeling bad, if you got a sniffle, like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways, uh, you can send your hate mail for that one directly to me. That's cool. Mark. Um, yeah, or Mark. Mark will take it. Uh, so it looked like it was fun. There were a couple cool things. Leon had a, a work from home studio thing uh, that looked pretty cool. Uh, a couple other manufacturers were, were focusing on work from home. But again, it's a commercial show. Most of the stuff was for the commercial environment. And no, nobody's shipping anything uh, other than a couple who say they were shipping stuff and prove it. Um, i.e. ship me my stuff. Uh, let's kick our first story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today and Mr. Michael Heiss. He covered uh, the Worldwide Developers Conference for Apple that happened late last week and uh, or early last week. And for the first time, I actually didn't watch it yet. So I'm, I'm directly behind the eight ball because we've been busy. Um, a ton of typical things that come out of WDC uh, the one that was surprising uh, a little bit was that they announced a brand new MacBook Pro with the M2. If you weren't paying attention, that was coming. It's been rumored. It's not a big deal. Um, but they also brought a new MacBook Air. The thing that's interesting with that and, and where we're going to kick this off with is on the MacBook Air, they're doing a, it. They've re-included the headphone jack and it's going to be compatible with high impact impedance headphones um for high-res audio etc uh they also spent a lot of time talking about spatial audio now um todd i know you're a big apple guy i have spatial on my airpods i have spatial on my ipod or on my iphone 
I have used spatial. It doesn't necessarily sound any better to me. I don't know if I'm missing something. I don't know if I'm listening to the wrong stuff. I like the lossless, but again, on the earbuds, I really can't tell the difference. And if I can't tell the difference, I'm going to assume that you can't. I'm going to assume that the general pop populace is listening to it and going, Ooh, I'm listening to lossless cause I'm fancy, but I don't think the average consumer really cares. When Apple pushes this kind of stuff, typically we would say it's a really good meter for how the public is going to hopefully embrace that type of tech. Does their push on high impedance headphones, um, spatial, et cetera, is that going to help push this, this audiophile ish world that will hopefully trickle down to us or is it gimmicky? I think it's it always starts off as a gimmick. They're trying to sell something that they don't have. It's kind of like when you know TVs and everybody was doing a 3D thing. It's like, oh, you, we have nothing else to offer, not higher resolution, but we have 3D. And here's the thing: you're gonna wear glasses that have a battery in it. You, you hear it? You got this? And then you have to get a Blu-ray player that's a 3D player that doesn't do anything, but you want it and you need it. You know. Is it going to be something beneficial in the long run? Yes. It's something that trickles down as they build on it. The sound gets better and better and better. And then we'll start to notice it. But as this effect and where we're at currently and what they're trying to do, uh, it's not it's not beneficial to us. And can you hear the difference? Absolutely not. not at this point. Maybe we're wearing the wrong headphones or we're getting older and we can't hear like we used to. Don't I don't know. That. Mark would bet you better at that. He's the yeah, Mark would here. know that one. We wouldn't know, but Mark would know. <laughs> I'm too old to tell the difference, man. I can't hear anything, let alone lossless. I mean, come on. What? I, I, I can hear huh? the difference. <laughs> I can hear the difference between spatial and non-spatial, just because obviously it's it, it's got a more like environmental sound to it. But That's it's not this. Like I don't know. I when I turn my head, it's not like the music is really changing that much. So I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not getting there. Mark, the other interesting thing to me. Um, and again, this is a developers conference. So you got to remember, this is going to now go to developers who are going to play with this stuff for the next three months, six months, a year, and hopefully come out with some really, really cool stuff using the tech, which is why we're excited about it. But one of the things they announced was continuity camera. And for this feature, you're going to clip your phone to the top, your iPhone to the top of your Mac or your monitor, start the call, and then essentially have your iMac or your, your MacBook Pro or whatever, use that camera to view you and your iPhone to view your desktop and, and show what you're doing. Um, from an application standpoint, yay, I don't, I don't care. I don't want people to watch me try and type. But what I'm intrigued with is the option of using your iPhone as your webcam. Mark, we've seen a lot of pushes to better the, the video conferencing quality. And what would be better than stinking using your iPhone with its crazy portrait view and all of that jazz as your stinking dedicated, you know, webcam? Does the potential for that really simplify work from home potentially, but also eliminate a lot of drama with a lot of different manufacturers? I mean, to some extent, I think people are doing that today. You know, I walk into clients' homes and they've got the, the round circular light with the phone mounted in the middle of it and they're using Zoom or they're using Microsoft Teams. So I'm not sure how different this is than what that is. I guess I don't really get the difference. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, if it, if it makes it easier for people to use their phone as their webcam, you know, it, it's going to be a boon for them because, you know, everyone's got on their laptop. Most people don't prop their laptop up and you're looking, you know, up their nostril from the webcam on the, on the laptop and it's kind of crappy. Um, so I think that'll be great. The other thing I saw that was actually of interest to me <laughs> is kind of a stupid little thing, but I love the fact that they're going to um, allow you to schedule emails to go out and delay yeah. a send of an email because I will often want to respond to something over the week. Like I want to get it out of my head. So I want to type it, you know, mm -hmm. after hours over the week, I don't want to send it out and train people that I'm available 24 seven. So I like to delay the delivery till the next day. I do that on my desktop with outlook, but I can't do that on my, on my phone right now. So having that will be, I, I'm going to, I'm really excited with that personally for a business owner. Yeah. That's really one of those like, welcome to 1995. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what took so long, but in Apple's genius, that's what happens. All right, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from CE Pro. Is the labor shortage finally easing? There's a glimmer of hope as the Home Builders Institute reports a 300% gain in schools aiming to offer technical trade courses as well as, uh, and again, you can read through this, you can see where this is going, but we're also seeing um, a little bit more availability of people uh, the last a little bit. Mark, I want to I want to start with you on this. When they talk about these trade schools, I'd love it to be talking about trade schools that affect us, but there isn't one that exists for us. So it's a completely mute point for for us. Um, <laughs> How do you feel, Matt? <laughs> oh, I'm very positive on this. Could you not tell is that dripped sarcasm immensely? Um, yeah, this isn't, this is good for the construction industry, but I, I, I don't know how often somebody goes to a trade school for carpentry and then comes out working for an AV integration firm. Um, the potential's there, but, but I, I'm not sure. Um, do we follow the construction model at all with this? Like, like, do these numbers, other than showing that people are going into trades, Heck, that the trades don't recognize us as a trade. So does any of that matter? I am really cynical today. I do not know why. <laughs> I guess the only way it matters. I mean, I have hired people. Uh, you know, my, my best person came out of construction, and I, you know, it was early in my business, and I trained him myself. And now we've hired, a, a, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of turnover. He's still here, but I've had some turnover in junior staff, and we took me a while to find somebody, but I found another great guy who also came out of construction who were training up on the AV side of things. Um, so there is potential if you're willing to train people up. I also wonder, you know, this, is talk, this article is talking more about construction, but I wonder what that means for electricians. Mm -hmm. And that's a slightly more reasonable transition if you can lure them into the AV industry because, you know, electricians, they're unionized. They probably have higher pay scales if they're in the union. Um, I, I love the wishful thinking. I'm just, I'm trying to imagine. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. Well, Mark, you're kind of creepy with the luring people in thing. I don't know. He's, yeah. Yeah. We don't lure anymore. That's, that's Dude, 1985. I, you, you, you don't like my white panel van and candy? Um, <laughs> maybe don't do that. That's probably not, not preferred. Is that mute button or stop button? Yeah. Um, it's fine. But I mean, I think, it out. It's fine. But I, but I think you, you know, if you find guys who, you know, and I've seen it, guys are in the construction business and the junior guys in the construction business are the ones who are hauling the debris out from demo. Mm -hmm. And they've got really crappy jobs. Like it's really, you know, hard work. Framers, it's tough work. You know, a lot of what we do is a lot less 
physically demanding. The, 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 the pre-wire is physically demanding, but the installing the equipment is not. It's more fine motor skills, you know, it's wiring, it's connecting things up, it's the technology side of it. And a lot of the people I've talked to in the construction, we find it really interesting and exciting, and we have been able to hire people out of that. But I'm not going to hire them right out of a school, right out of trade school for that, because they don't want to work. They don't know they want to work for us yet. That's true. Todd, one of the one of the kind of weird juxtapositions of this to me is kind of as Mark said, there's a lot of people going into trade schools to go into construction. Right now, construction is abs. I, I don't know about where you guys are, but up here, it is absolutely bonkers. We have contractors that are booking two years out right now because they are so backed up and they are so short on people. I have a hard time seeing a lot of construction workers saying, yeah, we're going to go from a job that's in massive high demand to one that is niche and probably in demand, but not necessarily. Um, on the flip side, there's a lot of concern about the market right now. And we, uh, we're, we're pretty sure that there will be some companies that uh, say shift their operational status in the in the in the next you know year or so um there may be a lot of talent available is that going to play into our talent pool or do you think those people that maybe worked for an integrator who has shut down or, or potentially may shut down are they going to stay in the industry or are they going to go somewhere else i i think that's that to me is is pretty much where it's going to be at is somebody who's been in the industry understands the industry. They also understand that there's more AC in there, so you got to stay cool. It's more cushy. The demand with the client base is a little bit higher, meaning for the accountability standpoint. When something's not working in our customers' homes, they're extremely upset. But when something like a chipped wall, or you know, they their fan isn't spinning you know, according to their plan, uh, or whatever it may be, they kind of don't hold that to mission critical. Mm -hmm. um, and people who understand our industry also understand what it comes with, with the being impaired by customers and their demands. And even though it, it seems like it's, it's hell in a handbag, which it is, uh, you know, our, our jobs aren't easy. And anybody who's been doing what we do understands that it, it's, it's not just a financial grace. It's more of a patience grace. And with everything that's occurring around us with this big bubble of issues, it's harder now to kind of be that customer-centric point of view because you're dealing with, hey, am I going to be able to make a sale because I can't get products in, you know, seven years? Um, I'm not able to get a basic remote control to have the customer use with their system. And how, for me, the question is, is I'm not looking on bringing people in. I, I can't because I'm trying to figure out where am I? Am I a high-end integrator? Am I a middle market integrator, which is dead? Or am I a low-end integrator? What, what do I do in order to keep my, my company afloat? How long can we keep it afloat if products aren't coming in until next July, a year later? You know, bringing someone into an unstable environment uh, is not something that I'm looking on doing. You know, the construction standpoint, I think there's a lot more grace. And if it's disability, if they're, they're years out, months out, whatever it may be, then that's where they need to go. Because electronics at this point in time is not the industry that 
people should want to be in, let alone transferring to get in at this point. And I'm sorry to say it, but if I can't figure things out myself and I don't can't speak on you guys, then how are we going to bring in more talent if we're not able to get product to sell more? No product, no business. So what do we do in this case? Service? We're going to be 100% a service business? Like, well, again, that's I don't can, know can you run a service business if you have no replacement parts? Exactly. All right. Because you're kind of, you're jumping the gun a touch. So let's shift into the third story where we can really go down that fun wormhole. Um, this comes to us from residential systems and our bosom brothers is the middle market dead. I am going to make that title stick boys. Oh, no, never, it. never. Yep. yep. I'd like uh, to try state twins. Okay. That's nope. what we're going to say. No, There's no. Bosom brothers. <laughs> try state twins is pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, this was by uh, Todd and Mark here um, talking about the, the impeding death of the middle market. Now, comically enough, my uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Harry Mead, who's getting shouted out on a residential show, which he doesn't listen to, so it makes it more fun. He wrote uh, a similar article about the commercial market four or five years ago, and he got harassed immensely for it about how it's not dead and they're still there and it blah blah blah. And you know, fast forward to today, for the most part, that's dead. It's CDW's domain. I'm concerned that your article is on point for residential where we are right now. Um, you, you Going through the article, again, go read it. Uh, you guys cover a couple of key things, specifically how most products have gone up significantly in a very short period of time, and thus homeowners are less inclined to buy said things if you even had them to supply and install, which we're not gonna fully talk about. Todd, the question I have about this, and, and I don't think you guys are wrong on this. We've talked about this on the show for, for quite a while, how it's increasingly difficult to sell the middle market on a vast majority of the products that we typically would want to sell to the middle market because they don't care if they have to use seven apps. It doesn't matter to them. They're perfectly happy to do it, especially if it's going to save them a, a significant amount of money. How much of this, though, is is price hikes and product scarcity versus just the the simplification of technology? We were talking pre-show. You can have a really good entertainment area, right? With a large TV, with all the smart apps, a Sono soundbar, and some you know a, a sub and some surrounds, right? You can put it all in in a day. And they can have a pretty good experience and they don't need that universal remote and the, the, the rack in the back room. How, how much of it is, is price increases and things costing more versus it's just, there's, there's simpler ways to get to the end result, which is sitting down with the family and watching the Rangers lose. Right. See, 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 with, 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 when I wrote the article with Mark and we spoke about the article, there was a few things that came into play. Is the high-end market, right? Crestron was always known as extremely high-priced, extremely glorified, and nobody will ever get to those price points that Crestron has gotten to because they're overpriced. 
And no matter what the opinions are out there, there was truth to it. They were the highest priced product because whatever reasons may be. Number two, we have gotten to the point that where Snap AV has increased their pricing every single hour. And it's like how are we offering a product that I remember Mark introduced to me many years ago that was more affordable, that actually worked pretty well and gave us a great experience and then gave the customer a good experience and helped us to be better at servicing our jobs. That product now has become the high-end router and it's become outside at the price point. You know, where is the middle market if Control 4 is now the same exact price as Crestron? Their processors, their lighting, their remote controls, the list goes on and on and on. Yes, they do have more processors and more things available, but where are we in the middle market? How do we re, kind of return the middle market? Is the middle market, which you kind of, or we talked about pre-show, is the solution with a big TV, a Sonos soundbar, and having a cable box behind it is going to give the customer a better experience. There's going to be none of those after-hours phone calls that my Crestron system isn't working because they have a Crestron remote. It says right here, Crestron. That means everything that's attached to this sucks, and it's always Crestron because you guys suck because my remote says right here. So... Is it really worth those headaches on offering all their accounts, something that has that name on it, uh, or is it easier and more beneficial to us profit-wise to go with the big screen TV, the Sonos, a standard remote, and a cable box behind the TV? And I know it's hard hearing that from me, who's been an advocate of you know control systems and control brands and pushing it, but at this point in time, we have to reevaluate the way we do business and walking into customers' homes. You know, beforehand, I would go in there and if I scared the customer with a price, I'd be like, so be it, I'll get it, I'll get another job. Oh, well, and that was really arrogant of me and that was the wrong attitude to have at that point in time. And I'm glad that I'm learning from it, but I didn't want to learn from it the way we're learning from it, that there is nothing. It's so just we. the world of... We, we, we've been trying to tell you this for a while. I know, but I don't listen to you guys. You guys know that. We're, we're, we are That's well aware. <laughs> <laughs> no, hold on. J just before we go to Mark, let, let, let me ask you one thing, Todd. Sure. Is it so much that... Because I think we could look at this two ways. We could look at it as, in the example you gave, that Control 4 is price increasing itself out of the middle market, or we could look at it as, as Control 4 is trying to elevate itself to be comparable with, uh, with, with Crestron. And, and I think those are two slightly different things. If they are trying to just compete level to level with Crestron, which I think they probably can, uh, with Crestron home across the board, um, that's different than, Hey, we're just continually pricing ourselves out. Cause there are other brands that can come in and, and offer a control solution at a lower price, granted, those prices have increased as well. Do you, right. it, 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 how do you view that as, do you view that as them just trying to be more competitive with Crestron or do you view that as strictly they're elevating the, the middle market cost point, price points? I personally think that, you know, I'm going to bash Control 4 at this moment, unfortunately. I apologize in advance. Um, Control 4's products, right? Crestron Home, the interface, the UI, the experience is very similar to Crestron um, as a whole. But the hardware that they have is, is not as 
inferior to, to Crush Drawn. Their light switches are a piece of plastic that literally I wouldn't even have my paperweight from blowing over paper. Number two, there are remote controls in the system that as a whole is clunky. It's not as responsive. It's not built as well. The video distribution from Crush Drawn. And, so so and you think they're just raising the price point yes. of the middle market? Because okay. They have, they have something called investors, which is going to keep on them moving and making money. They won't care about us. They don't care that, you know, we might be priced out of our market or guys like Mark, which I'm not speaking of, might be priced out of that middle market because they just want to keep on this. They want well, to keep and, the money. And coming. they have a large portfolio. It's not just. They do. Right. It's not just. I mean, the one thing we do, you know. Right. The one thing Control 4 does have is, you know, they have the high-end right. processors. They have the CA-10, which is, you know, can run a whole... Okay, we're not, we're not having a measuring contest between who's here. But, I say, but, I we, also, but we also have, you know, there's also the... Ent- and that, I think, to your point, Matt, they're trying to compete with Crestron, yeah. right? They're trying to have that, that their top-end processors to run those huge homes that Crestron can do. But then they've always had kind of the entry-level processors. You know, they have a, mm-hmm. kind of a four-tier system those entry levels we always wanted that sub thousand dollar single room solution right. yeah and we've lost that with the introduction of new processors and all the increases in pricing we can no longer hit that price point and i think that's a tough threshold to cross um so i think it's a little bit of both i think the price increases have hurt us on that kind of entry level end but i think on the higher end it is more keeping up with the joneses and, and being and trying to be okay. more like restaurant is there a with with the middle market is this something where the middle market has grown up out of honestly a, a pretty simple ecosystem? They've come from, you know, a Nest thermostat, which they don't really have to think about. They don't have to do anything with. Half the time they never open the app because it just does stuff. They maybe had Caseta, which again just kind of works. Is it super fancy? No. Does it do what they want it to do? Yeah. Do they need more? Probably not. Is that what has ultimately damaged the middle market? Because we used to put a lot of complications into the middle market. Like I, I, I'm almost exclusively a middle market integrator. We used to put a lot of racks in and a lot of control systems in. We barely sell racks anymore because they don't need them. Is that what has killed, quote unquote, the middle market? I think, you know, I think as you, I don't know if we've talked about this pre-show or just talking about it earlier, you mentioned it, but you know, people used to have seven remote controls on the coffee table and yeah. no one knew how to turn on the system and couldn't control the volumes. They all inter- In every interrelated room. to each other. Every room had right? that they, too. And they interrelated, right? You, you, yeah. Even if you were watching cable, you had to pick up the receiver remote to change volume. And then you had, so you were juggling remotes. Well, with the smart home, it's really one at a time. I want to do light. They don't interrelate. If right. They don't have to interrelate, right? If I want to control the lights, I open the lighting app. If I want to control the, the HVAC, I open the HVAC app. If I want to lower the shades, I open the shade app. But you're not really doing – You know, if you want to control the shades, you don't have to touch the lighting app or the mm-hmm. HVAC app. So it's much more intuitive to have that folder with seven apps in it that say home automation. And you can do everything one by one. Now, what we sell is you can, when I go, when I leave the house, I can press the button, the door locks, the alarm arms, the lights turn off, the TVs turn off. We can, we can add benefit, but we don't, we're not taking away complexity. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. So I think that's where the middle market, people are saying what they have, seven apps, 
the seven apps in, in, in a folder is totally fine for them because it's not confusing to use. They don't need a universal remote because we have, we've, we've kind of made it to input zero at this point on TVs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the middle market has kind of gone, is going to the more, much more DIY. The, we, can, we can, if we want to, install all those subsystems for them and not do a rack and you know, have, do Nest thermostats and Lutron shades and lights and uh, you know, whatever else, what have you, uh, you know, Sonos for the audio and ha have them have all those different apps. And in some cases, we do do that. Um, we're doing a 12,000 square foot house in Greenwich right now where there's not going to be a single universal remote. It's going to be cable boxes and smart TVs and Sonos, and that's it for all of yeah. his audio and video. And then so, you build your car right there, right? When you have an automation system, I want my automation system to be like a car. When you go into the car, you start it, the navigation works consistently usually everything is going to be working to the way you got it the first day. Now there's going to be maintenance services that are needed, but there's not the constant, right? When the cable company, my cable box isn't working, my this isn't working, my Apple TV isn't working, my DVD isn't working. Why is that the case? How come lighting and shading and, and HVAC is so consistent and working, but all those subcategories, which are the primaries, don't work? And that's where the middle market lays is, is that you know, subdivided app-based or sim singular systems with the television and, you know, a remote control. You know, I think that's where we're going. I think that's where okay. we need to go. I, I'm going to challenge you on, you've got that reversed. The lighting and the HVAC work because they have mm -hmm. to work. Right. The TVs and everything yeah. else, as much as to most of our customers, they think they're the most important. No, your, your lights have to turn on when you push the button, which is why right. they always just think it'll work. But how come we you're can't using a good lighting that. system? Dude, how how come we can't have that with this sub solution? Like the the cable box is not because, because, because we don't we're at control the mercy. It. Right. Yeah, we're right. at the mercy of all the other companies who are fighting for control. And, and again, I I think that's what is driving the eradication of the middle market is like when Samsung announced that they were adding Apple TV native. That saved so many issues for us. Because all of a sudden, all of my clients who 90% of them have an Apple TV and they may have had two separate devices that went to their TV as far as their cable box or their sat box and their Apple TV. And now that the Apple TV is baked into the stinking panel, we don't get calls. Because if, if, if up here, if Rogers as, as cable goes down, reboot your Rogers device, reboot your satellite device. Everything else is just going to work because it's on the sink and TV and we don't have to touch it. It's amazing. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, Todd, if people want to connect with you, learn more about the Source Home Theater, where can they do that? You can actually reach me on Twitter at Todd Anthony Puma, which I'm posting more about guitars today. But eventually when this comes back, I'll talk more about AV again. Excellent. Mark, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Home Theater Advisors, where can they do that? Well, as you guys have stated, I'm old. So Mark at Home Theater Advisors is the best way to reach me, in all honesty, um, at, at HT Advisors on Facebook and Twitter as well. Awesome. Thank you again 
for joining us. If you have a, a, a vast variety of hate mail, just send it to Todd. Um, I'm not answering hate mail for anything he spoke about today. Uh, but you can connect with me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.